Well, I think the scary thing about political correctness is as scary as it is right now, and it's this big behemoth, it's actually not very popular among your average Canadian. It's not, or your average American. Most people support free speech in general, and they accept that if you don't believe that there are 47 pronouns, you shouldn't have to use it. The problem is that the people who advocate for political correctness, they may not be very numerous, but they are very smart. They're very organized. So what they've done is they've managed to insert themselves into positions of power in pretty much every industry and every walk of life. They're in politics. They're in the law. You can bet your bottom dollar they're in the school systems, they're in the media, and they're also on social media. So it, it's a huge problem because what we have is this very small group of people that, in my opinion, has very radical ideas that do not represent the majority of people, but they're exercising their power to shape our culture so that one day they may be the majority. And it's it's a scary thing. And if we don't start talking about it now, we may be in a position in the not too distant future when we don't we don't even have the power to speak up about it, where we don't have any platforms, where we don't have any any politicians who are willing to speak up about it or even everyday citizens, because right now what they're doing is they're they're really they're stamping out anything that might challenge uh, the status quo. They're, they're showing people um, like what they try to do to Jordan Peterson, that there is a price for speaking your mind and coming out against what they believe. And I, I feel very badly, but I understand the Canadians who, despite disagreeing with this political correctness craziness, are just too afraid to speak out because they don't want to lose their jobs. They don't want to alienate themselves from their friends or their families. A student who doesn't want to risk getting a bad grade because they disagreed with the professor. And it's a huge problem. I agree with you. And uh, if you look <clears throat> just only the debate on climate change, if you question the consensus that they're saying, there's a scientific consensus on climate change. And if you think, I don't think so, there's other uh, scientists who thinks other I have another point of view on climate change. Oh my God, you're not on the right side of the debate. And so that's, that's happening at the political level. You know, there's some subject that you cannot question. There's no debate, there's a consensus. Don't question that. And that's a way for them to impose their point of view. We need to be out there to challenge that. That's our job. You're seeing the movement from that idea, you know, any different idea or perception on the issue of climate change. You're now seeing that manifest or, or their, their efforts to, to stamp that out. You're now seeing it move into not only the policy, but the legal realm. There is, there is discussion that you will see about the idea of somehow punishing those who don't toe the party line or the, the politically correct line on that issue. And that terrifies me. It terrifies me as a lawyer. It terrifies me as a citizen that, that uh, you know, the government is going to create uh, um, legislated orthodoxy. And this is the mechanism by which the minority, as Lauren was describing, is, is able to assert control over dialogue. Yes. And let's just note the ironies here. Two of the values that are promoted um, by virtue of political correctness are tolerance and diversity. You must be tolerant and you must be in favor of diversity. And in order to make sure that you are in favor of tolerance and diversity, we will be intolerant about what you say and we'll make sure that you conform with your ideas, right? Right. So, I mean, it, it, the whole thing makes no sense, but it does run on the fear of being outed. It's a little bit like a, a, a society wide witch hunt. Right. You don't want to be the one who's pointed at and said, you know, that that person is no good. But it is the minority that you're talking about who is willing to point those fingers. 
And because nobody wants to be the one who's, who's, who's getting pointed at, everybody is inclined to want to conform. These people like to pick and choose when they want to side with science, right? When it, we're talking yeah. about environmentalism, we can't question science. No, it's we have to listen to what they say. When it comes to gender, it's not that it's not that simple. Uh, you know, it's it's a question of validating someone's humanity. I I I like science. I like the environment. But the thing is, these people are ideologues. So anything they they talk about, they're coming at it from an agenda of trying to enforce more big government. And, and we can see that um, with issues like, for example, speech laws. Like if, if this is all about promoting science, then shouldn't we be encouraging more funding into things like, for example, gender dysphoria? I would love to see more science about that. I mean, if, if we're really so concerned about climate change, then why, why aren't we looking into I don't know, diff different types of alternatives, things that don't just equal more taxes uh, on carbon, because the only, I guess, surefire thing that I can see is that that ends up taking more money from Canadians. So, I mean, th these people, they want to paint themselves as pro-science and pro-tolerance, pro-understanding, but it's, it's only all of those things if you fit a very specific definition that they want you to conform to. There was a moment during those hearings where one of the senators basically said, well, but you know, using a, a, a non-gendered pronoun for a person who doesn't want to have a gender is, is a reasonable thing to do. So what's so wrong with the law requiring reasonable speech? And if you don't notice what the problem is, then we're really down a rabbit hole, right? Because the problem is this. It doesn't matter what's reasonable or not reasonable. Reasonable or not reasonable is for the individual to decide, right? So my response to that question at the Senate was, well, just imagine this. Imagine that we had a statute in front of us that said everybody is required to say hello and please and thank you. Now, hello and please and thank you are reasonable things to say, are they not? Sure. But is it reasonable for the government to require you to say hello and please and thank you? Absolutely not, because now you've got the state controlling the content of private conversations. And so it's got nothing to do with whether or not somebody thinks that the content of the speech is reasonable or not. It's nothing to do with it. What it has to do with is, are you allowed to say what you think, regardless of what that is? And the, the way the, the law is going, as Jared describes, is, uh-uh. The law has to reflect what, what, what the... What the what the minority thinks is reasonable, and you will be required to follow that. It was a, a strong vocal minority that was pushing this stuff. When, when we actually put the issue of this compelled speech measure to the lawyers of Ontario who, who voted in the election, um, not only myself, but a, a slate of candidates who ran on that one issue won in a landslide. And that tells me that there is sanity in our profession, and that there are reasonable people, and that common sense will prevail. Freedom reigns. I mean, basically what happens is if you've got authoritarians on one side and you've got those who champion individual rights and freedoms on the other, individual rights and freedoms will win. And this is worth pointing out. So it is exactly the way Jared described, that in this election where there was a choice, and that choice could be taken privately, then people chose to resist this policy. I just want to say when people are given the very clear option of, you know, on the one side you have authoritarianism, political correctness, craziness, but on the other side you have general general respect and responsibility and freedom, people will, I think, generally 
go, go to freedom. But the problem with these people is that that's not how they're going to frame this discussion. And that's a huge problem because they're going to paint the people who are adv advocating for things like personal responsibility and just equality for all Canadians, regardless of skin color, they're going to paint them as racist, as xenophobic, as Islamophobic. And so that, I think, is a huge issue that people who are speaking against political correctness right now have to try to combat because you can be against political correctness all you want, but if people still believe that you're doing it because you're racist or because you just hate immigrants, they're not going to support you. You're right. When people are faced with the choice between more freedom or more government and less freedom, and you explain that to people, you will win. And that's, that's, my, that's why I'm optimistic about it. Uh, that's only a, a minority that it's very... Uh, visible and allowed out there, but we just have to explain that. And that's why when I'm doing politics, I try to appeal to the intelligence of people and not to their emotion. And sometimes it is a challenge, but at the end, you know, the best ideas will win and we have the best ideas. What is better than more freedom and personal responsibility? But we need to do what need to be done. We need to be out there and to challenge them. I think what we have going on on social media is something called echo chambers, which is that people tend to congregate and follow and subscribe to people who enforce the same worldview that they have. Because everyone likes to be told how right they are all the time. I like it. I mean, I actually am, so that's different for other people. But um, And so we see that really going on on social media. And the, the problem with echo chambers, aside from the fact that it can make you ignorant in a lot of ways, is that it can also easily radicalize people, right? Because if you're constantly being told how right and justified you are, and not only that, but how wrong and evil and malicious the other side is, it can very easily radicalize people. And the issue with social media is that not only are echo chambers being fostered, but we actually have large organizations like Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube with, with millions and millions of users, um, they're enforcing in their own way the same political correctness ideology. We talk about social media censorship a lot on our show. And it's not just because, you know, our livelihood depends on, on social media and I don't want to get booted off, but it's because in, unless you have a platform for yourself to discuss these ideas, then you've already lost the battle. Um, there are two candidates who are running for, uh, I guess, European Parliament in the UK, um, who because Twitter doesn't like them, their political campaign accounts have been banned. Could you imagine if his political campaign account was banned from Twitter because he had the wrong opinions? That essentially ends an entire movement. And when we are operating in a democracy, I don't think I need to tell you all how important it is to have those platforms for everybody, especially when you have a media that's committed to enforcing the status quo and backing up the establishment and that they're not gonna give any time to us. So being able to create our own audience and our own platform that's so important without social media, we can't do that. And they are actively trying to stop us from doing that. We have a natural instinct to wanna to belong. And th those conversations that happen in social media, it's much easier to call somebody out as not adhering to the line of the group than it would be without it. Who knows? I mean, you're just talking to all kinds of people every day in all different kinds of places. But online, it's all visible to everybody. So if you step out of line, you're out. And the responses that you will get sometimes that are extreme, I know that I've chatted with people on Twitter. Well, chatted is not the word to use. Um, but, but the extreme views you get uh, you know, are not really intended for me. They're, they're showing their group 
that they're on side, that they're holding up the team. And so you they're get They're virtue this, signaling. They're virtue signaling, no question. And, and, there's, and there's, it's a polarization. There's, they're, they're a member of a team, and they want to show that their team is better than the team that they think that I'm on. So all the dynamics that would exist ordinarily are made, are amplified and made much worse by social media. Most politicians, like I said, they want to please everybody and they're afraid of the mainstream media. I'll give you an example. I did an interview a couple of years ago and I said, we must cut corporate welfare and no more subsidies to businesses. I was at CBC and the journalist looked at me and she said, she said, are you serious? And that was a controversy. And she looked at me, oh my God, you cannot do that. And she, and when I said, do you know that 65% of the entrepreneurs in this country, they don't want subsidies. They just want lower taxes. So I'm not a radical. They don't want subsidies. They don't want to pay for a lobbyist and try to have a subsidies that they know it will be very hard. And if they don't have the right contacts and the right person, they don't know the right person. So business sector, business entrepreneur, they don't, they, they're, they're, they're proud. They don't want to go out there and ask for a subsidies. They want lower taxes. Political correctness is an elitist idea, right? Because somebody has to define what the correctness is, yes? And the, and the CBC is part of that elite, right? So if you're talking in a way that the CBC disapproves of, then you're, you're not, you're, can't, you can't be correct. Um, you, you've got to have authority in order to be able to define that correctness. And it's true that, that these ideas are reflected by all different kinds of people, but they get those ideas from somebody who has said, Here's what to believe. And if you don't believe that, then you're wrong. And so go and say that all those other people are wrong. You know, march or go on Twitter or do what you have to do. But, you know, you're on our team and go and enforce our idea that we've told you. This happens in the schools. It happens in the universities. It happens in the professions. For me as a politician, you know, that's, uh, you want our candidates to share your point of view to have the party line, but at the same time, you want them to express their point of view. So I'll give you an example of what I did during the last um, by-election. Uh, I had a great candidate, Laura Lynn Thompson, in Burnaby South, and she did fight at the provincial level all that theory of gender fluidity. So I was at the CBC, and I was very uh, presenting my candidate, and so the journalist asked, you have that lady in Burnaby South that she's against gender fluidity and how come she's running with you, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> I said, she has the right to their own, her own ideas. And, you know, I, I'm perfectly okay with that. She can speak about it, but, you know, we're doing politics at the federal level. She won't be able to influence that. It's mostly at the provincial level in the education, education system. But that's her own point of view, and I'm okay with it. But she tried to tell me that you must not have a person like that on your team because maybe you don't share that. And if you don't share it, she cannot be on your team. And at, at the end, she asked me the question, do you share her point of view or not about gender fluidity as the leader? I said, it's not important. It's, that's her point of view. It's not a policy at the federal level. It's like abortion. Uh, you know, uh, uh, it's for me, my candidate can have position, different position on abortion, and they will have the right to table a bill on that because it's a, 
right to a member of a right a member of parliament has the right to table a bill on any subject a private member bill and if it is not part of our platform maybe a candidate from the member of parliament for the people's party will table a bill on different subject and we'll have a debate and that would be a free vote but in politics usually it's the party line that is important and if you don't follow the party line you'll have a call from the whip and you know you won't have all the privilege that you can have as an mp you won't be able to sit on the committee that you want to sit that you like so all that we need to give to give to the members of parliament more freedom the most important for us the people who are coming with us must share our principle and if they share our principles and and the platform that's perfect but they can have other point of views and that's okay but you know it's not you usually you don't do politics like that you try to control the message you try to control uh, the con the candidates and you know we won't do that we won't control 338 candidates and yes we'll have somebody that will say something different and, and or somebody that will make a mistake but that's part of life and that person will be uh, will stay part of our team as Canadians, we have certain characteristics, some would say, and some of those characteristics work against us. And one of those characteristics is that we're conflict averse. We don't like conflict. If people have different ideas and say different things, you're going to have conflict. You should have conflict. Conflict's not a bad thing. You're going to have clashes, disagreements, debates, like fiery debates. That's okay. But but this aversion to conflict, I think, leads to a lot of this idea that, oh, well, you, you really shouldn't say that. It, it, it'll, it'll cause a problem. Whatever the context is, whether it's small and private or big and public, whether it's a political party or, or, or otherwise, if there are things you shouldn't say, then you got a problem. You should say them. You should have conflict. It is our inclination to think that the purpose of civil society is to avoid conflict. That's not true at all. Civil society is supposed to be there to, be, to, to enable us to have conflict without violence. I think that's absolutely right. And the thing is, as proud as I am to be a Canadian, I have to say, I think the reason why our country is in such a precarious position right now concerning political correctness is because for too long we refused to have that debate of, of conflict. Uh, Going back to the, the issue of gender pronouns, for instance, we are now having a discussion about whether it should be legal to disrespect someone by, by using not their preferred pronoun. Um, was I, did I just miss the entire debate we supposedly had about whether that was even respectful in the first place to deny reality in some cases? I mean, it's like we've missed an entire part of the conversation. It's just now all of a sudden we're supposed to accept the idea that, yes, this is what is respectable and accurate and now we all have to like no let's go back a little bit because we've missed some really big parts of the conversation here and it's the same thing with immigration we're now having the debate of whether it should be okay to say hey maybe we go back to a merit-based system i mean i've been called a white supremacist for that you know social justice ideology is the is the fuel that universities now run on and uh, it's reflected in their administrative policies, in their student policies, in the curriculum, in the programs that they run. And it is not the case, I'm not saying that there are no 
individual academics who are not allowed to to vary from that line. That's not true. I do it myself, and I'm 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 not. I haven't been told I'm not allowed to do that. Great, uh, but a, a, as as a group, that's what they're into, and they are training people to think in that way. The idea that students go to university to learn critical thinking is from what I can see, largely not true. Um, they are there to learn a certain way of thinking, and they take that way of thinking into the larger world. And it used to be, I think, that, that, that people used to say, oh, well, you know, the universities, they're dominated by crazy lefty people, and, but don't worry about it. They're all in their ivory tower. and Just leave them alone. They're, they're harmless. Not anymore because the people who have been at university are now no longer at university. They're in your corporations, and they're in your HR departments. They're lawyers. They're, 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 in your, they're, they're lawyers. They're, they're running your governments. And so those lessons have been taken, and they're now being applied. And it's one reason why it's so hard to push back, because they think they're doing the right thing. They're doing what they were taught. And so it's a very hard mountain to climb to, to back them all the way up and say, no, 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 no. The, 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 the pillars upon which your way of, of, of thinking is based are not, are not correct. That's a lot of remediation to do. And it's, it's very difficult to get somebody to that place. And it's, it's really scary because essentially these universities have become mini indoctrination camps. And I, I very firmly believe that people should go to universities to not only like learn, but also to learn to think critically, which is just not happening anymore. Essentially, there are a lot of professors who unfortunately aren't as open-minded uh, as people like you or, or Dr. Peterson. There are p professors out there where if they see a student who doesn't toe the line for political correctness or whatever, they will penalize them. So, you know, not only in universities are students being taught that, oh, apparently this is the way that the world just is, because they're not getting a, another, another opinion or a diverse view, but they're also being taught that if I say otherwise, I will be punished. And that's such a, it's such a sad state of mind to have in somewhere like academia that's supposed to be about free thought, free ex expression as well. I've invited to Queens to give talks, uh, Jordan Peterson, uh, Conrad Block, uh, Amy Wax, who is a professor at the University of Pennsylvania Law School. Um, and on each occasion, in different ways, uh, the uh, faculty and or students, or at least a, p a portion of the population, has basically said, you shouldn't be doing this. You can't do this. And, and in, one, it, in one instance, they appealed to the principal of the university to, 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 uh, to at least disapprove of the Jordan Peterson talk. Um, in, in one situation, the students you know, started to put together a petition sort of condemning the, the, the event. Um, and this is the kind of response that you get, uh, where, you, we, where your project is simply to get someone into a room to say what they think. And the response is, that, that can't be done. Now, I should point out, to their credit, that the, that the administration at, at Queens, the principal and the, the dean of law on these occasions, said, on the contrary, this is the business that we're in. We will have free speech, and we will have debate. <laughs> that ideology also is at the UN with their agenda 2030. And you know, you look at them, they want to impose their point of view, their vision of the society. Uh, and so there's less individual freedom. And so that's why, you know, the, the fight that we did against uh, the migration compact, that was important. But that's, 
in that organization, the majority of the people over there, they believe in the strong government that will manage everybody and starting by doing legislation against freedom, freedom of speech and things. And so it's a, it's a fight that we must do. Uh, we must do it here in Canada and we must push for it and we will do it. The, the pushback against you on that issue was interesting because what you were what you were given was, well, it's not binding on us. And what's funny is if you're actually a thinking person watching that, you think, why sign it? It's a statement of intent when you sign it. So while it's not binding, the people who have signed it have said, we're going to do this. We like this idea. And so uh, I found that a, a, a neat little tr trick to enforce the political, politically the, correct view. It's the same dynamic, yes, with the Paris Climate Change Accord, yeah. right? The, 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 the commitments yeah. that we've made under the Paris Climate Change Accord are not binding either. They're not binding. And yet, my God, if you listen to the powers that be, it is essential that we meet those targets because the sky is going to fall if we don't. I have some people who ask me, why, Maxime, are you going to the CBC and Radio Canada? They're not on your side. But it's important to be there. It's important to challenge them and using all channels that we can use. And I'm doing that. So be out there. And I know I prefer to do an interview with, uh, I don't know, other media than CBC. But it's a tough one. And I have to be there. And, I, you know, there's a lot of people who are listening to them. So it's our, for me, it's my my job to, to speak and uh, using all the, the tools that I can use. And CBC is there. So, yes, yeah, speak out and speak about you. And also, I just want to congratulate everybody here you know it's it's a teamwork we're not alone and you are not alone you are there you use the, the youtube and you use the university and so we are speaking and that's great people told me today that uh, you know we are sold out and uh, a lot of people will be able to watch that uh, that video later so it's it's only the beginning but we must be out there and must not be afraid to debate